Are you ready for the word? Come on. I'm excited. God's doing something tonight. I could just not even preach and it'd be a great service. But I feel like God wants to say something tonight. It's, it's interesting to me because, and I'll share this later, but typically when I preach, I preach uh, just straight from a passage. Pretty much I take the points right from one passage. I don't, you know, wander around the Bible. But tonight we're talking about dating, and, and there's no passage in the Bible that talks about dating, so I have to kind of jump around a little bit. So it's an interesting night because I really believe in the power of just preaching a passage as it is. But tonight the Lord has stretched me, and I'm kind of trying to talk about something that the Bible doesn't actually talk about. So that's tough to do. But I share that to say that in the midst of talking about something very practical that's not actually in the Bible, uh, God is showing up tonight, okay? God is here. The Holy Spirit is here, and he wants to say something to you. He has made his presence known already, and he wants to say something. I believe that, that God has some wisdom for us tonight, and I believe he's going to help us to date well. So maybe you're in here and you're in a dating, or a dating relationship, and I believe that tonight God might course correct uh, some things about your relationship. Or maybe you're not dating, but God is going to prepare you to be able to date well. Because here's what I know by being a college pastor. I've been here for four years, and, and the single greatest hindrance to people following Jesus is their significant other. Every single time. I, see, I, I, I feel like every time someone falls away from the Lord when they were going after, most of the time it's because they started dating someone who doesn't love Jesus and they pull them away from Jesus. And that person chooses, I'm going to put this significant other over Christ. So I believe that that's why the Holy Spirit is here tonight because he wants to get your attention. Because if we can get these biblical principles that help us how to date well, then I believe that uh, great things are possible. Because Satan loves to attack by getting us into dating relationships that are not healthy and pull us away from Jesus, okay? So I'm excited to talk about that tonight, but I want to share my experience dating to start out, and this will be a little bit lighter, so I'll try to be funny, but, but to be honest with you, I've never really dated in the traditional sense of the term. So you think of going on a date, you think of two people going to a, or to a restaurant, uh, sitting down, they hardly know each other, and they get to know each other over dinner, and it's romantic, and maybe there's a first kiss at the end, that's what you think of uh, when you think of dating, or at least I thought of that. But for me, my dating relationships in high school, I had two, well, people I called my girlfriend. It wasn't really dating in the, tr in the traditional sense. But pretty much what I did is I found a girl that I liked through Zanga or whatever social media platform I used back then. And, you know, a girl at my school, you probably don't know what Zanga is, but, but I uh, would send them a message. We would chat or AIM if you know what AOL Instant Messenger is, okay? So we would chat and then we would hang out typically at one of our houses. We'd watch a movie. To be honest, we'd kiss, and then they'd be my girlfriend. You know, that's what dating was for me in high school. Both times I dated someone. And then when I got to college, um, I met Emily at the first Chi Alpha service of the year, and actually ever, the first Chi Alpha service on campus. And, uh, and I sat down next to her at, at Buffalo Wild Wings. We've been going there for a long time, okay? So I sat down next to her at Buffalo Wild Wings, and, and we started talking, and uh, yeah, appreciate the earrings and the Under Armour shirt underneath the weird shirt, I don't know, but anyways, point is, um, so we sat down, we talked, we were like, okay, this is pretty cool, and then we would hang out in groups, and then at three o'clock in the morning on October 16th of 2011, in the middle of campus, I uh, gave her a note that said, will you be my girlfriend? That was pretty much our dating relationship, and, uh, and throw up the next picture here, uh, so this is us hanging out in a group setting. This is like our, our third date, if you want to call it that, but it's always in group settings, pretty much. 
and, uh, and we're watching a stupid movie, I think The New Guy or something, if you've heard of that. It's, an, it's probably not a movie that we should watch. I don't actually remember it that well, but point is, uh, <laughs> actually, this was on homecoming night. Uh, we're watching a movie with friends, and point is, eventually, we realized we liked each other, and we started being boyfriend and girlfriend. We went on our first date about a month after we were actually boyfriend and girlfriend, so we didn't do it in the traditional sense. That's the point I'm making, and I wanted to, to have an excuse to show those pictures, uh, but <laughs> I share that to say this. I, I think, actually, let me back up. So Emily and I, I'll share tonight uh, some of the ups and downs of our dating relationship. We did some things really well, and we did some things really badly, like really, really badly. And I'm going to share those experiences. And I wish, well, I had someone. I just didn't listen to him. But I wish I had someone who would have come to me and say, Daniel, don't be an idiot. These are certain things that you should do if you want to date in a way that honors God. And I think that everybody in this room, hopefully, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're not, then you probably don't care. But if you are a follower of Jesus, I hope that you want to date in a way that honors God, right? Like you want to do it the right way, the way that honors God, the way that uh, protects your purity, the way that prepares you for marriage. But the problem is, I feel like in our 21st century America, we don't really know how to date in a way that honors God. We don't know how to do it because, because there's mixed messages. There's, uh, there's messages from culture that tell us that, uh, or they've created, or culture has created this, this uh, different category of relationships. So in the Bible, what you see is you see single people and you see married people. And then you see betrothed people, so people who have, who have committed that they're going to get married in the future. But you don't see anything uh, like what we see today where it's Facebook official and there's a boyfriend and girlfriend who have all the benefits of marriage without actually being married, okay? So we have this culture where we have this uh, dating culture and we're trying to sift how do we do this in a way that actually honors God and, and follows the principles of the Bible. So we're really confused. So what I want to do tonight is to try to take our culture and I think, there's, I think we can date, have a girlfriend or boyfriend in a way that honors God. So take our culture and take scripture and try to figure out how do we find a spouse in 21st century America in a way that honors God. So I don't, point is, I don't think anybody sets out and says, hey, I want to date really badly, but I just don't think we know how to do it. So I'm hopefully tonight, I pray that God would help us find how we can go on this, or go on this journey of saying hello to someone of the opposite sex who we're attracted to all the way to marriage, okay? Because there has to be something that happens in the middle of there. So that's some, and that's what I'm going to try to do tonight is explain how we do that. And as I said, the Bible, it doesn't talk about dating. So what we see in the scriptures is parents chose their spouses or, or chose their children's spouses, okay? So arranged marriages. That's what we see in scripture. But I want to say this. I don't think just because that's the way they did it, I don't think we have to do it that way now. So in scripture, there's a couple different types of, of scriptures. There's descriptive scriptures that just tell what happened Okay, so like when polygamy happens in the Bible, the Bible's not saying that's a good thing. It's just saying that's what happened. Okay, so there's descriptive scriptures. It's just describing what happened. And then there's prescriptive scriptures that say this is what you should do. Okay, and nowhere in the Bible does it tell us how we have to get from point A to point B in the sense of from saying hello to being husband and wife. But what we see is the, the description that in the Bible there were arranged marriages. Okay, so dating... This modern sense of dating came on the scene in the 20th century, okay? Before, uh, all romantic relationships before marriage were guided by the family. The family was very involved. Like, even if it wasn't arranged, the family was super involved. But now what it's become is it's become this, this separate thing where we go hide off in a bedroom or we go hide off in our parents' basement or we go to a movie without parents present. You know, family doesn't really get to say anything about it. And we decide, is this person my soulmate? Okay, so that's what's, 
has kind of happened over the years. So what I want to do tonight, I'm not saying we need to go back to arranged marriages, but what I want to do is say, okay, hey, I think that God thinks it's okay if we pick our spouses, okay? I think it's fine. I picked my spouse, my parents did not pick her, although they would have picked her. But, so I don't think we need to go back to that, but I want to look at scripture and say, okay, how can we do what our culture is doing in the sense of dating and, and trying to find a spouse in a way that honors God? Does that make sense what I want to do? Okay, so I just want to make sure you're tracking with me here. So uh, the third, uh, this is the third week of our series, XO, X, X, O, X, A, and in the, in the first week of our series, if you remember, a few weeks ago, we talked about marriage. Okay, we talked about God's picture for marriage and, and how marriage is this beautiful gift from God that if you're called to it, he wants you to enjoy. And then last week, Pastor Austin Weaver from New Hope in Urbandale came and he dropped some bombs on this place and talked about purity. It was an incredibly convicting message. I was sitting in the back getting so convicted about my social media, about my entertainment, he was just like hitting me in the heart. I was like repenting up on stage afterwards. That was an incredible message, right? And now, tonight what I want to do, so we start with marriage, and then we talk about purity. Now I want to talk about dating, okay? So how do we get from saying hello to husband and wife, okay? So tonight's message is called Your Love Story, okay? It's your love story. And the hope tonight is that, is that your love story could be beautiful, that it could be something that honors God, all right, that's my hope, is that these principles that we go through could help you to have a beautiful God-honoring love story. Okay, so the main idea tonight is this. Healthy relationships make room for Jesus. Healthy dating relationships make room for Jesus. And not just make room, like Jesus is at the center. He's all over. He is guiding the entire relationship. I just said make room because it's, I don't know, it's a cultural, trendy phrase. But anyways, Healthy dating relationships make room for Jesus. Okay, I want to pray, and then we're going to jump into the principles that I think God has for us tonight. All right, Jesus, I just pray tonight that you would speak to us. God, I pray that all of the lies that have been given to us from culture about how to date and how to find your spouse would be just broken down in Jesus' name. I pray that you would just take those lies and throw them out the window, and tonight that you would replace those lies with truth and help us see how we can find a spouse in a way that honors you. So Jesus, I pray that you would speak in your strong name. Amen. All right, three points tonight, okay? And again, this is weird for me because usually I just preach right from a text. I'm gonna preach from multiple texts tonight, okay? So the first point is this. Healthy dating relationships are intentional. Healthy dating relationships are intentional. So let me ask you a question. Why do you date? What's the point of dating? What's the purpose of it? Do you date because it's fun? Do you date because you're lonely? Do you date so you can have someone who you get physical with, as the classic song says? Biblically, romance or dating, although they didn't have dating, but the idea of romance before marriage always had a purpose. It was always moving towards marriage. And many times, actually, in the scriptures, like the romantic part of the relationship didn't even start happening until after they said, I do. Like the bounce chicka wow wow happened after. The butterflies happened after they said, I do. As I said, there was really no such thing in the scriptures of what we see today where people are in these relationships, where it's Facebook official. Every healthy romantic, romantic relationship in scripture was arranged 
with the purpose of marriage, with the intention of marriage. I don't think we need to go back to arranged marriages, but we should be intentional about why we date. That's a principle. I think that's something that's prescriptive that we see in Scripture, that God calls us to be intentional with our romance. It's not just a descriptive thing. I think there's a principle there. You need to be intentional. We don't just date to date. We don't just date because we're lonely, right? In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is asked this very hard question that I'm asked often, and it's difficult, but Jesus is asked, can people get a divorce? And this is what Jesus says to this question. I think it will help us to see why we should date with intention. He says, he answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are, are no longer two, but instead one flesh, and what therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. So here, Jesus describes God's heart for romance and for romantic relationships. We are called to find someone who we can commit our whole lives to, who we can give our whole selves to, to leave our father and our mother and hold fast to our wife, to become one flesh with someone of the opposite sex and become fused at the deepest levels. That's what it means to, or to be one flesh. We get fused at the deepest level with them, and we never separate. For Jesus, he didn't really answer the question here because to Jesus, divorce is not even a thought. It's not an option. That's not God's heart for romance. God's heart for romance is that you would find someone and that you would commit to them, that you would become one flesh and that that would never be separated. So I share that not to get into divorce, but to share a principle that God's heart for dating is for us to find that person. We should not date aimlessly but should instead date with intention of trying to find someone who we can lay down our life for while saving all the beautiful gifts of marriage like the physical gifts and the, and the emotional gifts and the spiritual gifts of marriage that only marriage can have, saving those things for marriage. So it goes without saying that dating without the intention of finding a spouse is stupid. I mean that in the nicest way possible. It's a waste of your emotional energy. It's a waste of your heart. It's a waste of your time. We are not just looking for a new boyfriend or girlfriend. We're looking for a husband or a wife. That's the point. That is the point of it all. Dating is meant to help us answer this question. Should we spend our life together? That's the question we're trying to answer, not does this person make me happy in this season of life? Does this person give me butterflies in this season of life? Am I enjoying this? No, that's not the purpose of dating relationships. The purpose is to say, should we spend our lives together? So all healthy romantic relationships before marriage should be moving either towards marriage or away from marriage. You're trying to figure out, are we supposed to get married? And if you are, then you take steps towards that. And if you find out, hey, we're not supposed to get married, then you run from that relationship. Pro tip, if you're not supposed to marry them, don't date them. Okay? If that's the point of dating, then get out of the relationship. If that's not someone you want to spend 50, 60 years with, get out. Who cares if you hurt their feelings? I mean, I care because I love people and I don't want them to be hurt. But for both of your own good, you need to get out of that relationship. Here's the other thought. 
Okay, if you're not supposed to be with them, then probably someone else is. And you are robbing that person of their spouse. And, that, and your boyfriend or girlfriend is going to have to tell their future spouse someday all the things they did with you, the ways they shared their heart with you, the ways they got physical with you. They're going to have to share that with their future spouse. So get out if you're not supposed to get married. If you are supposed to get married, then get moving towards that. Or you better go real slow. You better just be like friends. And we'll talk about that more later, okay, because that's later in the message. But hold on to that. If you're dating with the intention, dating is for finding a marriage partner. Another principle we should think of is you shouldn't start to date until you think you're ready or going to be ready in the next few years to get married. So, okay, so a couple of scenarios. If you're 10 years old and your mom's packing your lunch, you shouldn't date, okay? I don't think there's any 10-year-olds in here, although I dated when I was like six and never stopped. <laughs> I don't know if it's dating, but whatever that was. But if you're a freshman in college, okay, some of you are like, oh, going to talk to me? If you're a freshman in college and you don't want to get married until after graduate school, which is probably seven years down the road, then you should not date. Unless you're like Superman or Superwoman and you can stay pure for seven years and just be in a relationship with someone you love and someone you want to marry, there's no way. Like, there's no way. I'm just telling you. Like, unless you just have like superhuman powers, there's no way you're going to stay pure for seven years if you're in a romantic relationship with somebody. Because guess what? Romance is for marriage. And marriage, inside of marriage, you're supposed to have sex. It's supposed to be part of it, right? Like, this whole idea that we get ourselves all built up sexually and we're like, hanging out with someone, treating them like a spouse, and then at the very last second, we have to say, okay, no, we can't have sex. That's not God's heart. God wants you to be married so you can go all the way because that's the way he designed you. He created you that way. So when you're hanging out with your, or with your partner and you're feeling frisky, that's natural. That's what you're supposed to feel. But because we created this different category of I'm in a romantic relationship with no intention of getting married anytime soon, it creates a lot of problems for us. Instead, Get married and go all the way, and we'll bless you. We'll be like, come on, do it. Go for it. It's good. So this is one area, and this is like the only area tonight that Emily and I actually did pretty well in. So I told her right when we started dating, when I gave her that note that said, will you be my girlfriend? I said, hold on a second because I want to take this in because this is the last time I'll ever be single. I knew I was going to marry her right then. And, you know, it was like a lot of it was probably emotions, all that stuff. It ended up working out. Point is, though, we knew the whole time we were dating, we were moving towards marriage, and we got married at 20 years old. I was 19 a few months before. I just turned 20. We got married because we knew for us, like, like we could not possibly keep dating and stay here. And that's not the only reason God was calling us to get married, but we knew we were just, like, hammering the gas pedals of relationship. And I'll talk about that in a second. Again, I keep wanting to get to it. But we were just, like, flooring it. So I'm like, we got to get married quick because we're going to be dishonoring God in no time. And we did dishonor God in some ways, and I'll share that in a second. All right? So, okay, so you may say, that sounds great. Date with the purpose of finding a marriage partner, but how do you figure out if you're supposed to marry a person? It's a great question. I once had a wise pastor say to me, he said, I knew my wife was the one when she walked down the aisle. And I said, I do. Because at that point, there's no way out, right? <laughs> but I'm sure you want to figure out before then if you're supposed to marry someone. So, I have a little thing I call the four loves test, all right? Throw it up on the screen. Okay, so if you remember, two weeks ago, we talked about the four Greek words for love, okay? So let me unpack them quickly. There's phileo love, 
Okay, so in the Greek language, there's four words for love. In English, like we just say love, and it means a multitude of things. It could mean I love McDonald's, or like that's like passion, we're excited about it. Or I love uh, my wife, or I love Chi Alpha. Like love means a ton of different things in the English language, and we only have one word for it. But in the Greek, they have four words for it because love is very nuanced, right? So here's the four words, and I think as we unpack these, we'll see how we figure out if we're supposed to marry someone. Okay, so the first one is uh, the phileo love. Okay, so phileo love is friendship love. It's the love between two friends. I love Forrest. Thank you. We're friends. We enjoy hanging out together. We have similar interests. We are buddies, okay? You get the idea, friendship love. I think you know what friendship is. I won't belabor it, okay? Second thing is storge love, okay? That's that's the love you have for family members, okay? Like, you don't always like them, but you appreciate them, and you're affectionate towards them because they've always been there. It's just like, yeah, it's my brother. I wouldn't hang out with him if he wasn't my brother, but he's my brother, and I love him. I'm not talking about Derek. No, I'm kidding. I'm not talking about any of my brothers, but uh, that's family love. That's affectionate love. It's just someone that you love because they've always been around, all right? The third thing is eros love, which is it can be sexual love, okay, but also it can be like the romantic butterflies you get, like the, like the passion you have for that person, okay? And then there's agape love, which is this, this love that's embodied in the person of Jesus when he lays down his life for the world. So agape love is selfless love. It's, it's committing to put aside your own interests for the interests of others, okay? So if you want to figure out, okay, am I supposed to marry this person, just go through these four loves, okay? So the first question is, do I have phileo love for this person? Okay, because in marriage, our marriage is supposed to be the container by which we contain all four of these loves. Okay, it's the only relationship where we can have all four of these loves working really hard all at the same time. Okay, so the first thing, do I have phileo love for this person? Do I enjoy being around them? In Genesis 2.20, God tells Adam, he says, it's not good for you to, or to be alone. I need to make a helper for you. Okay, so it's this idea, is this person you're dating a good friend of yours or hopefully your best friend if you're going to marry them? Okay, my favorite part of my relationship with Emily is not the sex, although I love that, all that stuff, just, it's great, but friendship, that's what I love the most about it, okay, so if you're going to marry someone, you better be a good friend with them, okay, second thing, story of love, so as you're dating, you should start to develop this affectionate love, and the thing I love about story love is it doesn't change based upon the other person's behavior, like, you just love them because they've always been there as a family member, and that should start to develop as you're dating, like, it be, or that person becomes like an old friend, like a family member to you. Okay, third thing is eros love, and now this one you got to keep at bay until you get married, right? So you don't want to take it to its fullest expression, but the idea is that you should be attracted to the person, okay? You should have butterflies, and it's not going to last, but during dating, I think at least you should have butterflies then as you're getting to know them, right? You should feel those romantic feelings for the person. And then the fourth thing, and this is really the most important question, is are you willing to lay down your life for that person? Are you willing to do that? And if it's yes... Go for it. Get married. Don't over-spiritualize it, okay? Sometimes we over-spiritualize it, like, is that person the one? There's seven billion people on planet Earth. They're probably not the one. There's probably many ones out there that could work, right? That's just what I'm saying, okay? If you disagree, I don't care enough to fight with you about it. And maybe there's a one out there. But point is, I think it could work if you're willing to lay down your life, Okay? All right, something else we need to think about as we're dating with intention of finding a marriage partner is we should not date people who we're not on the same level with spiritually. At the bare minimum, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, your spouse should definitely at least be a follower of Jesus as well. But ideally, you should be at the same spiritual level, okay? So if you're like 
passionate about Christian community, you're wanting to make disciples, you're reading your Bible, but your dating partner like, doesn't like to do any of those things, it's like, oh, I believe in Jesus because I want to get out of hell. If that's your dating partner, then you probably shouldn't marry them. That's going to be very difficult for you two to get on the same page and to have your, or have your relationship be all that it could be. Okay, so Paul talks about this in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. He says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness? So scripture is clear. If we follow Jesus, we should not join ourselves in marriage with people who don't follow him. We should be equally yoked, both running after Jesus together. So a great way to see this practically, okay, so two weeks ago, again, I'm going back to the first sermon. I talked about the five purposes of marriage, okay? So quickly, it was friendship again. Uh, I, t- I talked about gardening, which is calling, okay, what God's called you to do. So Adam and Eve were called to garden, right? You might be called to something else. Maybe you're called to be an accountant or to be a minister, whatever, okay? And then the third purpose of marriage is sex, okay? You're supposed to do that inside marriage. The fourth thing is family. The fifth thing is recreation. And what I mean by that is marriage should help you become more like Jesus as you're pushing each other and you're growing in the Lord, okay? So the reason why you should not date someone or marry someone who's not a Christian is really the purposes of marriage. So if you don't share the same faith with the person that you're dating or the person you're going to marry, then your friendship is going to be limited. Guys, there's a certain level of intimacy and friendship that I can only have with other believers in Jesus Christ. That's just the reality. I have friends who are not Christians, but my most deepest friendships are ones with people who love Jesus because friendship is all about pursuing the same interests, pursuing the same things, and you both should be in love with Jesus, going after him together as friends, right? Okay, so friendship, the second thing was calling. So if you're called to make disciples of all nations, but your husband's an atheist, it's going to be very difficult to do. It's not impossible, but it's going to be hard, okay? I think that goes without saying. The third thing is sex. I just want to say this. If you follow Jesus, you both follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit should be in the bedroom, all right? Some of the best worship services can happen when sex is happening, to be honest with you. But if you're not both believers, it's hard for that to happen, Okay? And you'll understand when you're married. If you're not married, you're like, what is he talking about? You'll understand. But sex can only be all that it, or all that God intends it to be if you both love Jesus together, okay? Because also, sex is supposed to be something that's all about serving the other person. And Jesus' followers should be the best at serving other people. That doesn't always work out, but that's the idea, right? That we serve each other, okay? Fourth thing is family. I, I would just dread having to tell Jane, hey, I'm this religion, and and your mom is this religion, now choose. Okay, that's just very difficult, right? We don't want your family to be divided. You should all be going after the same God. The final thing is recreation, okay? So I think this is obvious, but if, if marriage is supposed to help you become more like Jesus, but your husband or wife is not a follower of Jesus, it's kind of difficult for you guys to go after that together, okay? Point is, trust God, be patient, don't date people who aren't Christians, okay? It's not that we don't love non-Christians, but if you love Jesus, if, if he's the Lord of your life, it doesn't make any sense for you to date someone or consider marrying someone who doesn't love Jesus. All right, so with all this in mind, we must date with the intention of finding a marriage partner who we can pursue Christ with. However, that's not the only thing we should keep in mind as we date. I kept trying to go to this point because I think it's an important point. I'll go to it now. Second thing, healthy dating relationships have boundaries. In the Old Testament, there's a steamy, or a steamy love poem called the Song of Solomon. I don't have time to explain the song in its entirety tonight, but it's the most beautiful example 
of romantic love in the Bible. The people in the song are so in love with one another. They are charged with desire for one another throughout the relationship and into marriage. However, all throughout the song, they come back to a powerful phrase that keeps their sexual desires at bay before they're married. These two people knew the importance of boundaries. Okay, it says this, chapter 2, verse, or verses 6 and 7. His left hand is under my head. Okay, I so said it's, it's pretty steamy. Okay, and his right hand embraces me. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or the does of the field. I know you all talk this way. Okay, it makes sense. That you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. Okay, so the woman in this poem calls us not to, or to awaken love before marriage. So in this passage, she's married. It seems like she's enjoying sex with her husband. And then she like takes a second to text her unmarried friends and says, hey, don't awaken love before the proper time. She's pleading with each of you in this room today who are single to not awaken love before the proper time, to not pursue physical or sexual intimacy with someone who's not your husband or for guys, someone who's not your wife. She's saying, wait on God, wait until marriage to pursue this. So here we go. This is the question I get all the time. Put up on the screen here. How far is too far? Because we want to get as close to sin as possible. <laughs> Let's be honest. That's the way I was. I want to get as close as I can to that line because I really enjoy this. That's the question we get. Where is the line? Where, like, how can I stay good with Jesus but still really enjoy my boyfriend or girlfriend physically? God created sex for marriage, but the reality is we're all sexualized long before, or before marriage, so therefore we have to deal with our sexuality and with temptation before marriage. So the question is, what is okay before marriage and what is not? To this woman, the question is not, how far can I go, but instead it's, when can we start? So throw up the next thing. It's not, how far can I go, but instead, when can we start? She doesn't even... Or she doesn't even want you to awaken love at all before you're married. She wants you to wait till marriage, and then when marriage comes, you can go all the way, like it says. It's not natural for people to get their sexual desires charged up and then have to stop them at the last second. That is not natural. That's why it's so stinking hard, okay? God doesn't look at you when it's really hard and be like, oh, that person's an idiot. They don't have more self-control. God's like, you're an idiot for starting that at all, Okay? So we have to ask the question, when can we start? And when can we start is marriage, right? We need to understand that all sexual activity outside of marriage, and just for sake of clarity, I'll get specific, masturbation, oral sex, making out and getting super excited, and lusting, all these things are off limits before marriage. If you do any of those things, you're sinning. There's no way around it. It's not like God is saying, okay, I'm cool with some sexual sin before marriage as long as, you, or as long as you don't do the big deed. He wants us to stay pure in every single way. So Matthew 5, 27 through 28, it's getting awkward in here. You're all like, what? All right, so that's what it says. This is Jesus, okay? So if you want to be mad at someone, be mad at Jesus, not me. I'm just, I'm just the messenger, okay? He says, he says, you've heard it said that you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed or, com, or committed adultery with her in his heart. So to Jesus, if you want to know how far is too far, it's lust. So if you can cuddle and make out and all that and not lust, then you're good. 
Can anybody do that? Don't raise your hand. That's awkward. I couldn't do it. I could not do that. I still can't do that. If I'm making out, okay, like I'm going to go all the way. I'm not just going to make out. It's stupid. <laughs> the line is lust. We should not go anywhere near the line before our wedding day. We should not awaken sexual desire until we can go all the way. We don't want to just awaken it just a little bit, but instead we want to be able to see it in its fullest expression. Okay, awkward, I know. Okay, John Mark Comer, in his book, Loveology, I referenced it the first week, he gives us three reasons why we should not have sex before marriage. So maybe you're like, okay, okay, I get it. We're not supposed to have sex before marriage, but why? Like, what's so bad about it? Okay, he gives us three incredible reasons. The first reason is this, akkad, okay, so it's this Hebrew word, and Reagan knows how to, to thank you, he pronounced it better than I did. He got on me about it in our one-on-one. Okay, so akkad, akkad, okay? <laughs> akkad is one flesh, okay? So when it says you'll be joined together and become one flesh, that word in the Hebrew is akkad, okay? So when two people have sex, they become one flesh with one another. They're fused at the deepest parts. So if you do this before the covenant is made, the covenant of marriage is made, then you bond yourself to someone physically who who you're not bonded with in every other way, okay? The idea is that when you get married, you bond yourself on every level, physical, spiritual, emotional, and even legal, right? Like, your marriage is a legal commitment. Every single way you bind yourself to that person, okay? So if you bind yourself in the area of sexuality, it's gonna make you, it's going to make it very difficult for you to get out of that relationship if God calls you to get out of it. Okay, so maybe you're doing that with someone who's definitely not supposed to be your spouse, and it makes it really hard for you to recognize that because you've been bound with them on a physical level, and it's hard to get out of the relationship, okay? So that's one very practical reason why you should not have sex before marriage. A second reason, and it's pretty closely tied to that one, is sex obscures your vision and judgment. When you're having sex with someone, you cannot clearly decide if that person is right for you. I think we all have people in our lives who we know that are in a relationship with someone who they should not be in a relationship with. It just doesn't make any sense, but they continue to be in that relationship despite all rationality. They're probably having sex, just the reality, because they're fused, just like I talked about. They're fused together, and it obscures your vision and your judgment. You can't be reasonable about the relationship. Okay, the, the final reason is you cannot build a relationship on sex. Okay? If you think like, like, like sex is just going to make your marriage incredible and everything else is going to be fine, that's not the way it works, right? If I had to choose something to build my relationship on, it would be agape love, okay? Like laying down our life for each other, but also friendship. And then sex is part of that, but it cannot be the thing that you build your whole relationship off of. So in the dating relationship, you should pursue friendship love. You should pursue storge love. You should pursue agape love and save eros love for marriage, all right? So boundaries are an area that Emily and I really stunk at, okay? When we first started dating, I can remember this. I was sitting in the parking lot of Grace Community, pulling the trailer. Or I wasn't pulling the trailer, but our pastor was pulling the trailer for a Thursday night gathering at the time. I'm in the passenger seat. I just started dating Emily, and he tells me, what boundaries do you have? Or he asked me the question. I'm like, I don't know what boundaries are, buddy. I've just been going for it. I didn't really understand boundaries. And he said, what boundaries do you have set in place so you can be pure? And then he told me, he's like, I got them for you. I was like, well, thank you for doing all the work for me. He tells me, he says, don't hang out with her in private. Only hang out in the union. 
which I thought was kind of limiting. I, I don't know if we can only hang out in the union. Maybe we could go to McDonald's or something, but he said only in the union. He said, never shut the door when you're alone in your dorm. You know, leave the door open and don't cuddle. Stay vertical. And I was like, you an idiot. I'm doing what I want. We're going to cuddle tonight probably after Chi Alpha. <laughs> I thought he was crazy. And it wasn't because I thought that he, like the reason I thought he was crazy is because I just didn't have an understanding for any of that. I was like, that is completely wacko. What planet are you from? Like, when you date someone, you're going to make out. You're going to cuddle. You're going to do those things. You're not going to hang out in public. Why would you do that? You're going to shut the door and watch a movie, have the lights off. That's what dating's all about. That's what I thought at the time. Okay, so I had terrible boundaries. I did not want to have sex with her or anything like that. Well, I wanted to, but I knew it was bad, okay? So I said, don't have sex, but I did not like, set up the proper boundaries to help me with that. Okay, so... So me and Emily really, really struggle with the physical part of our relationship. And because of, yeah, because of that arrogant decision I made when I thought, hey, I know better than this 33-year-old pastor who's been doing this for a while. I'm smarter. I'm 18, which is what some of you do to me when I try to give you advice. You're like, he's an idiot. He doesn't know anything. Guys, I've, I've done it, okay? I've lived the college life. I've had a girlfriend. I've had a fiance. I've done it. So maybe I might have something to offer. Maybe. Don't be arrogant like me and think your pastor's an idiot all the time, which is what I thought a lot. Sorry, Jonathan. I love you if you're listening. But that's what I thought. Like, you are not that smart, okay? People give you advice who are older than you for a reason because they've lived it and they realize, hey, my way stinks. And you should follow God's principles, okay? So point is, I don't know where I'm getting at with this. Point is, have boundaries, Okay, there's a reason why people give you advice. So if you want my advice, here's my advice for boundaries. To start, I'll say, hey, my campus pastor has some great boundaries, some great ideas. I wasn't good at following them, but I think you should consider it. Don't hang out in private places. I promise you, you'll be tempted. There's a man and a woman in a dark room. You're alone. Come on. Like, it's just silly to think that you're not going to be tempted. As far as physical boundaries, don't go past the point where you get turned on. Don't go to that point. Don't get turned on. So you need to consider right now what turns me on. Okay, so if kissing, if a peck turns you on, then maybe you should consider not pecking. If making out turns you on, which I think it should turn most people on, you probably shouldn't do it. If cuddling turns you on, you probably shouldn't do it. If kissing for extended period, okay, you get the point. I don't think I need to keep going. The point is, if you start lusting, if something causes you to lust or, or gets you sexually excited, don't do it and stay away from it. You're going to look like a crazy person in, in our culture, but I promise you that you're going to stand up at the altar on your wedding day and say, wow, I honored this person. I treated them like a sibling, and now we get to get married, and we can go all the way. There's no boundaries anymore. So those are the physical boundaries I, I would encourage you to have, okay? But there's also other types of boundaries. There's spiritual boundaries. There's emotional boundaries. So in Chi Alpha, we like to say, as I tried to get to a couple times because I got excited, that there's three gas pedals in a relationship, Okay, so just throw them all up on the screen quick. Uh, yeah, click through them quick. So if you push hard on any of these gas pedals, then you're either going to want to have sex or you're going to have to get married, and then you can have sex after you get married. Okay, so if you don't want to get married anytime soon, like you're that person who you're going to graduate school, you're not marrying until after graduate school, that's okay, but you better not push any of these boundaries or push these pedals. So physical touch, like, like maybe like finger touching, can be like the thing you do, like, I love you, girl, poke, okay? Because you got seven years, and not like that, poke, like, touch the fingers. Okay, let's back up. Let's just leave that over there, okay? So, <laughs> all right, just forget about that. All right, so, point is, <laughs> go slow on that physical touch. I'm changing the subject. The second gas pedal, time spent together. Don't spend every moment together. 
It's going to be too hard, okay? Me and Emily, we spent all of our time together. We were terrible at that. Third thing is spiritual conversations. I'm not telling you to, or to never talk about Jesus, to never have a setting where you might pray together, but you need to keep this limited because if you're having deep spiritual conversations with this person, the natural thing is you should want to pursue physical intimacy as well, okay? It should be all tied together in marriage, so go slow on that gas pedal as well, okay? So I think you can fill in the gaps here, but the point is if you don't want to get married for a while and you want to stay pure, don't push on these gas pedals, all right? And if you've already pushed these gas pedals and you've already messed up before marriage, I want to encourage you that it's never too late to make changes. So for Emily and I, the end of our story is not, oh, we had terrible boundaries and then we just stunk it up and got married. No, we actually began to set boundaries towards the back half of our dating relationship and we were able to kind of rein it in, okay? So it's not too late to make changes. I just want to encourage you with that. Okay, last thing, and this will be the shortest thing. Healthy dating relationships begin and progress in God's perfect timing. One of the biggest reasons why we don't date well is we're not patient enough. We try to rush what God is doing in a relationship. We either begin the relationship too quickly, and we probably end up dating someone who we shouldn't, or we try to progress the relationship really quickly and act like we're married before we're actually married. So we either don't wait for the right person, or once we find the right person, we act like we're married before we actually are. Yeah, so we don't wait for the right person because we fail to realize that God may want to do something in us before he brings us a spouse. We fail to realize that before we can find the one, we have to become the one. Before you can find the person that you're looking for, you should become the person that the person you're looking for is looking for. Does that make sense? That was like a tongue twister there. When I was in high school, I so desperately wanted a relationship. So desperately or so desperately that every single woman I met that was semi-attractive, that maybe said they were Christian on Facebook, like in the religious views, I was like, that's my wife. That's my wife. That's my wife. I just so badly wanted to find a spouse. I was always trying to rush it. I wish I would have gotten the truth of Proverbs 3 into my heart that says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. If we trust in God and lean on his understanding while still obeying and following him, he will make your path straight. He'll take care of the details. I promise you, you don't have to figure everything out. Trust God. This applies to your dating relationships. Wait for God's perfect timing. Be secure enough in who you are in Christ that you don't need someone else to complete you. And you don't need someone else to feel content inside. We need to get to a point where we're okay with being single. And that's what happened for me. I had to get to a place where I was okay with being single before I met Emily. At fall retreat, why well, I had already known Emily, but she was just my friend. At fall retreat, God spoke to me and said, Daniel, you need to be okay with being single. I truly was okay with it. I was like, okay, I could be single forever. Like, well, not forever, but for a long time. And I was okay with it. And then about a month or two later, God revealed Emily to me, and I realized that she was supposed to be my spouse, but it took getting to a place where I was okay with being single. So if you want to speed up the process of God bringing your spouse to you, get okay with being single. It, it might just work out for you. I'm not promising it will. Like, you might be okay with being single for a long time, and the spouse might take a long time to get there, but if God loves you, he wants you to get to a place where you're content with who you are and with yourself before he's going to try to bring someone else to try to complete you, because he wants to complete you, Okay? But this also 
applies to once you find your romantic partner, being patient with them and not trying to act like you're married before you're actually married. I promise you, you're going to have plenty of years to be married. You're going to have plenty of years to hang out all the time. Friday nights get crazy at the Quimby house. It's me and Emily hanging out. We're watching Netflix, chilling. We go to bed at 8.30. You'll have plenty of time to do that, okay? (laughs) Plenty of time to do that. While you're in college, you should say, hey, I'm going to give everything I can to develop community with other Christians of the same gender, and you can have, you know, friends of the opposite gender too, but, but that should be your main focus, and your focus should be, hey, there's a bunch of people outside of these walls who are going to hell, and I got to go preach to them and share the gospel with them. Your focus should not be rolling around with your boyfriend or girlfriend in your dorm. There's too big of a mission for you to get sidetracked with a dating relationship when God doesn't even see that as anything. Your dating relationship, it, it doesn't mean anything to God. It's not like, oh, they're Facebook official. Now they can do a few things. No, you're still just friends, and you're still just a brother and sister in Christ in God's eyes, okay? So God wants you to focus on other things while you're single, and then in the right time, you'll get married, and you'll get to enjoy all of those things. Point is, you need to be patient. You need to wait for God, okay? So one thing I deeply, the thing I most regret about my relationship with Emily is I was so obsessed with her and spending time with her that I stunk at making disciples on the campus. It's funny, I'm trying to teach all of you how to make disciples, and I stunk at it as a student. I only hung out with Emily pretty much all the time. I had, like, two friends who I hung out with, like, once a month. I was like, hey, you get, like, 10 minutes on the last Friday of every month because I got to hang out with Emily the rest of the time. And I was terrible at making disciples. I pray that you would not make the same mistake that I did because guess what? Me and Emily are still together. We're married. We're getting to enjoy all that stuff. And all the time we spent trying to, act like we're, or trying to act like we were married was pointless, okay? So don't make the same mistake that I made. All right, so the question is, what can you do while you're waiting for a spouse, Okay. So, okay, you're saying wait for God's perfect timing, all that kind of stuff, and, and, and don't try to rush the relationship. And the question is, what can I do in that season while I'm waiting? Okay, so here's three things I want to give you, and then we're going to be done. While you're waiting for a spouse, there's three things I think you should do. The first thing is pursue Jesus with your whole heart. And that applies when you're married, too, okay? This all applies when you're married. But I'm saying take this time, because Paul talks about how when you're single, you can spend more time focusing on the things of the Lord to take the time of singleness to really just go hard after Jesus, to just focus on him. Because once you're married, you have other things you have to worry about too, okay? So that's the first thing. Second thing is spend time with, or with uh, Christian community, okay? So go to the international nights on Monday night, right? Go help Chloe out, play some games. It'll be incredible. Go to prayer nights. Come to morning prayer because God knows you'll be hanging out with your girlfriend at 7 a.m., right? So don't do that. Instead, come to morning prayer. I'm kidding. None of you do that, I don't think, maybe. But so morning prayer, come to be a part of community. Go to small group. Do those things. Because, guys, once you're married, you're not going to be able to do those things as much because you have responsibilities. You have a wife or a husband. You have kids, all these different things. So go all in with Christian community. And third thing, and I already kind of alluded to this, but spend time making disciples on the campus. There's such a, there's such a unique opportunity you have right now to give all your effort to making disciples on the campus as you're living in close proximity with other people who don't know Jesus. I promise you, you're never going to have another opportunity like this because people go and they grow up and they move into houses and they build fences around their houses and neighbors don't talk to each other in America. But, in, but on the campus of you and I or on a college campus, you live in dorms or apartments and people are more open to relationship and conversations and you have this opportunity to give it all for Jesus in this way and to make disciples on this campus, okay? So instead of worrying about finding someone to complete you or to help you not feel lonely, 
Go all in for the things of God, and I promise that God will fill that hole in your heart for community and for intimacy by one with his relationship, but also with Christian community, okay? All right, the worship team will come up. We're going to close out. Sorry, this is a, it's a really big topic. I could go on and on about this, but the, the main idea tonight is this. Healthy dating relationships make room for Jesus, okay? Healthy dating relationships make room for Jesus, So tonight, maybe you came in here, and as you think about those three things I talked about, the first thing was dating with intention, and maybe if you're honest, uh, your, dating, your dating relationships have not been intentional. It's been all about dating for recreation, dating for companionship. I pray tonight that, that Jesus would reveal to you that he has a purpose for dating, and that Satan wants to use dating to pull you away from Jesus to recognize that and say, okay, I'm going to date with intention. I'm going to date with purpose. I'm going to do things God's way. Or maybe you came in here tonight and you've had terrible boundaries in your relationships. And guys, that's me. I was the worst, okay? I'm not judging you. I get it. Culture tells us there's one way to do things. And it's very hard sometimes when scripture goes against that. And we're like, wait, what? Like we're supposed to hang out in public places? Like I know that's tough. I, I get that. But I implore you, as someone who's been through it, as someone who's tried to not have boundaries and totally experienced the despair that comes because of that, I pray tonight that you would say, I'm going to have hard boundaries. I'm going to do hard things so I can honor God with my body and so I can honor God in my dating, or my dating relationship. Okay? And I want to encourage you, if, if you've crossed these boundaries before, I pray tonight that the presence of the Holy Spirit would show you that there's always, there's always forgiveness and new mercies available for someone who puts their faith in Jesus. There's always a fresh start available. All of us have messed up in some ways, actually. We all have. Okay? Nobody in here has been perfect. We've either lusted or, or done something stupid. All of us need the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. If it wasn't for the, or for the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, I would not be able to be here right now sharing with you these principles because I totally blew it on every level. But I pray tonight, if you've crossed the boundaries, I pray that you would... Drink that water, as someone was talking about. Like, drink that, or drink that living water that says that there's nothing that you could ever do that can separate you from God's love, and that that mercy wouldn't just forgive you. It's not just about forgiveness. It, it wouldn't just forgive you, but it would empower you to live differently now. Okay, so I pray that you would experience that tonight. You know, Lamentations 3, 22 through 23 says this, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. This is the gospel, right? This is the good news of Jesus, that through his sacrifice on the cross, through his payment for sins on the cross, each of us can have a fresh start. So if you blew it right before you came to Chi Alpha, I have good news for you. There's mercy available. If you blew it this morning, there's mercy available. If you looked at pornography today, there's mercy available. If you did something dumb with your boyfriend last week, and there's mercy available. I pray tonight that you would drink this water and that you would experience the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ and that it would change you forever, all right? And finally, maybe you're in here tonight. I think this is pretty much everybody who's not married. So you're in here tonight, and if you're honest, you have not been patient and you have not trusted the Lord's timing for things. Like maybe you have jumped into unwise relationships because you really wanna find your spouse. Like maybe you always have to have a boyfriend or you always have to have a girlfriend because you don't trust the Lord. I pray tonight that you would recognize that as sin. That's sin when you don't trust God and you'd repent of that tonight 
and that you would begin to trust in him and his perfect timing. And also, if you're in a dating relationship and you're acting like you're married, I pray tonight that you would repent of that and trust God's timing and say, hey, we're not married yet. Right now, we're brother and sister in Christ and that you would treat each other that way and that in the right timing, you would get married and you would experience all the joys of marriage inside the beautiful, beautiful, wonderful, incredible context of man-woman marriage for life. There's no way out. I pray that you would save it for that, okay? Because God knew what he was doing when he set up that relationship and said that all these four Greek loves can only be contained safely inside of that relationship, all right? All right, stand with me. We're going to close. If you're here tonight, and as I talked about the mercy of God, if that stuck out to you, if you're like, I need that water, I need forgiveness tonight. I need the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. If that's you, if you came in here and you're carrying your sins, you're carrying your burdens, you're like, I am not worthy to stand before God, I want to give you an opportunity to taste, and, or to taste the mercy of God tonight and to experience his forgiveness. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. So I want to give you an opportunity to do that. So I'm going to count to three, and when I do, if you're in this room and you want to Put your faith in Jesus. If you want to experience his forgiveness for the very first time or perhaps again, I want you to raise your hand and signal to God and say, Jesus, I need the water that you're offering. Jesus, I need your forgiveness. I need your mercy, okay? So I'm gonna count to three and I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Slip up your hands all across this room. I see those hands. There's hands all across this room that need to taste the mercy of God. All right, Jesus, I pray that your mercy would flow through this room. Jesus, I pray that if there are people in here tonight who are not followers of you, but they want to become a follower of you, I pray that you would give them a new heart tonight. God, I pray that you would give them mercy and grace and that they would know what it means to be a son or daughter of God. God, I pray that you would make new creations, that you would change people's lives forever tonight. I pray that this would be a turning point. And God, I pray for those of us in this room who follow Jesus already, but we've totally screwed up. Maybe you're like me in this room and you think your campus pastor's stupid and you've crossed all the boundaries. I pray tonight that you would give them mercy. God, I pray that there be repentance that happens in this place tonight. If you're in this room and you need to repent, I pray that you would do that tonight. Jesus, call our hearts to repentance if we need to and change us. Help us to have a new future. God, I pray that this community of believers would honor you in the way we date, in the way we do romance. All right, Jesus, we love you. We're gonna sing you one more song and then we'll be done.